following podcast may contain some adult language. You've been warned. Those of you who got an invite, welcome to NerdProm. <laughs> no matter where in the world you are, we're all NERDS International. With the hyphen. Finding the Narrative, a Genesis RPG podcast. This is a show dedicated to the Genesis role-playing system from Fantasy Flight Games. A show in which we, your hosts, discuss all things Genesis from both the players and a GM's perspective. I am Tony Fanning, and with me as always is my good friend and co-host, the zombie man himself, Chris Holmes. How you doing, homie? <laughs> yeah, I am good. Um, <laughs> I've been up since 3.30 in the morning. Had to take my lovely wife to the airport this morning. Love you, honey. Thank you for getting me up at the butt crack of dawn. Um, and yeah, been looking forward to this all day. And my Vikings won, so I'm doing great. Well, good, good. man. Cool. Yeah, we've been uh, busy on my end, but the weekend work stopped. I can finally relax a little. Yay. So <laughs> yeah, and I started. I started a new job. I've been doing two weeks now, and oh, love working from home, dude. So cool. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> um, all right. Hey, we got some good news, everybody. If you've been Woo-hoo! under a rock and you haven't heard, by the way, Android Shadow of the Beanstalk is the next setting for Genesis, and there was much rejoicing. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> right? Yep. Yeah, they put out an article about it and uh, talked oh, all yeah. about uh, the setting and how it's going to be put together. It looks really cool. Mm-hmm. Art, just the, the pages of art that they showed for the book already, full page oh, yeah. art from the Netrunner cards, just amazing stuff. Mm-hmm. Hey, and- 256 pages, they said. That is 10 pages shy of Tiernoth, and we all know how thick Tiernoth is. <laughs> that's-, <laughs> that's a good, good size book. Yep, that's a good setting, and uh, they didn't give us a release date, but, I mean, do you ever expect them to on the first article? Do we, do we want to guess, Tony? What's your guess? My guess is March. Your guess is March? February, March. I'm, I'm going, you know what, I'm, I'm with you there. It's not going to be before the first of the year, definitely not. Nope, It'll because be they the... didn't say it was coming this quarter already. Yes. I know. <laughs> Yeah, so I want, since they announced it this quarter, I'm almost seeing it coming next quarter, which means it'll probably be in the middle or end of the quarter. I'm hoping by the end of February. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I mean, there's some good stuff here, too. Mm-hmm. And this this article, yeah, touches on a few things. New Angeles. And um, I, I recommend getting the World of Worlds of Android book, too. To get got yourselves it. excited. Yeah, I know. You got it. I got it, too. Bought it a couple <laughs> weeks ago myself. Um, Show is shiny. Yeah. Lots of... It kind of it kind of gets me engaged already and excited about it. And I even mentioned the worlds of Android in the um, in their article, too. So, yeah, I'm excited about that. <clears throat> yeah. So, that's it for news, right? That's it for news. That was a pretty big news drop. That was a pretty, yeah, that was, that was, and that was just the other day too. So yay. <laughs> it's fairly <laughs> right, well, fresh. 
We have a mountain of feedback. I think I, ch- I think people are finally getting to the episode where I challenged everyone <laughs> to send us emails, yes. and <laughs> they are. <laughs> yeah, they are. When we have totally appreciated. So um, I'm going to read the first one here. Okay. Uh, it's from Francis Richardson. It says, hey, guys, love the show. The two of you are very entertaining. That's by accident. Yeah, um, totally. It's, it's got to be the fireball, right? <laughs> uh, knowledgeable and have a great rapport. What? We actually um, have knowledge? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, I haven't had a chance to mess around with it too much, but World Anvil looks to be a pretty cool world-building management website. It has a timeline-building tool. That's uh, what drew me to it initially, along with a whole bunch of other features. He sends us a link to it, mm-hmm. uh, and he says, I'd also love to see Chris's work on Terranoth and the core mods for Fantasy Grounds. Yeah, um, so about that, um, I'm not going to release those to the public... Only because I did, I feel like I've probably went overboard with the copy pasting out of the book because I wanted, you know, for myself and whatever. So if I if I am feeling saucy and I go back in there and give page references to things, I will. So I copied like the text right out of like all of the, all of the the um, what do you call it? All of the items, all mm-hmm. of the talents. All of the adversary blocks, too, you know, I put that in there just so that the, the text is right there for me. Um, but, yeah. But, you know, what I will do is I did modify the, the core Genesis um, plugin, and there was a plugin where you can automatically add um, advantage, disadvantage, or, sorry, advantage, threat, successes, um, failures. Failures, yeah. On it. Oh yeah. By the way, did I tell y'all I've been up to three thirty? And Tony, if yeah. I keep if I ramble, just tell me shut up. <laughs> shut up. Okay. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Next one. <laughs> no, yeah, so, no. So what you're saying is, is that you can't just put it out there for everyone, but you could maybe you know share it with your friends. Yes, I could. All right. So that being said, uh, as far as the World Anvil thing, um, thanks for letting us know about that. We'll put the mm-hmm. link in our show notes so everyone could see that. That was a resource that I wasn't aware of for you know, last. Actually, year. I did. I did. I went out there, created a free. I created a free account, open it up, quick, boom, 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 and I was overwhelmed with the amount of stuff <laughs> that they had available. And it looks like it's very, um, very much blog related mm-hmm. so you create a blog for a city or areas in your world and you can kind of interlink them between um looks like there's a lot of potential there can um, you share this with uh, your players what's that can yes. you share this with your players that's Should cool. be able to i would think so um you can make it a public if you log in and it's a free then the campaign can be sent can be created like publicly so everybody oh. will see it, right? Um, I, but there is, I think they have a Patreon level there that you can, if you want, at different Patreon tiers. I think it goes from like $3, $5, $10. You'll get more stuff. More ads will be brought off the screen and whatever, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And But their philosophy, it's a husband and wife team out there that are doing it and creating it. And um, got a lot of potential. Look into it if you guys want or are looking for a tool like that. For a campaign organizer. Campaign organizer, yeah. Cool. 
Cool. All right, next one I have from Preach Will. He sent us a Library of Congress. I mean, an email. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty long here, so bear with me. Uh, West marches might be great to run in Genesis. The basic idea being that you as a GM lay down a map filled with things, creatures, points of interest. There usually isn't a central story, although certain areas on the map def- definitely have stories and dangers to them. And you just grab a bunch of players and ask them where they want to go. It dawned on me that some of the features of Genesis lend themselves well to a West Marches-style exploration campaign. For one thing, with a skill-based system like Genesis, you wouldn't have to worry too much about large groups of players out-leveling each other. Each character with only 150 XP is still going to be useful in a party with a character that has 300 XP to their name. Absolutely. No more, no more second-level fighter trying to survive in a party of 10th-level wizards and clerics. Nonsense. The XP gap, the EXP gap, is narrow enough for characters of all levels to work together. And yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah, uh, the adversary framework for foes makes. Including interesting antagonists, simple and easy. Not that it was difficult in other systems, but that the minion rival nemesis breakdown makes it that much easier to categorize your threats in a manner that helps the GM deliver an awesome experience each time for the players. The narrative style of the whole thing helps encourage descriptive play, uh, gameplay moments, which is needed to help make random encounters and exploration more interesting and vibrant in the absence of central plot. Does this thing keep going? Oh, my God. I can finish it up if you want. No, I'm fine. (laughs) All right. I'll read the next one. (laughs) You go back to taking your nap. All right. right. And and last but not least, (laughs) one of the core reasons something like Genesis is so popular is because things like the narrative dice help us adult players get an RPG experience experience neatly within our busy schedules. A lot of us have jobs and families and other things that have to take that we have to take care of. Genesis is great, I think, for people who don't have time needed to fully utilize the stuff and say a D20 system may have. West March's style also is great because you don't have to set a schedule for it to work. You just pick a time with a couple other people and ask the GM, hey Steve, Mary, and I would like to explore the obelisk, or um, with other PCs, in two week we found two weeks ago. Are you available Saturday? Blah blah blah. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on the subject? Uh, are there any potential pitfalls you are I'm not seeing, or things to consider? Would love to hear what you guys think about this idea. First of all, great idea. Uh, yeah, I looked up. Uh, West marches because I wasn't familiar with it, and it's exa- exactly that. You just have a map and you grab players, and each week the players decide where they want to go, and the GM just plugs in a story as they go. It's very freeform. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a sandbox. That's what it is. And I did this something similar in my um, my FLGS group with my Star Wars group. Um, I had a bunch of players all get together for a session zero. I think there was like 13 of them originally. And uh, we all got together for a session zero, made characters that all work for the same hut. And then each session that uh, we would just, I would just throw a mission at them. Now, I did all the picking because these are people that I don't bear, I barely know at my local game store. And I don't have communication with them all outside of the game store. But it was everybody show up, you know 
that can show up on a given week and we'll just play. Uh, I'll, mm-hmm. It caps at seven, first seven to show up, get to play. If they play this week, next next time the seven that didn't or the six that didn't show get first precedent, that kind of thing. And so I just uh, I kept it flowing. Eventually, uh, a bunch of the players dropped out, um, or mm-hmm. uh, in the case I had an entire family move away from the area. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, point being, I'm down to like eight players, so I just it's the same eight players every time. I just let them all play, um, but. Uh, it, we still do it. It's once a month, and um, they just go do whatever they want. Um, cool. They work for the same hut, and um, she she sends them on missions. And sometimes I just let them choose where they want to go, what they want to do. There you go. So yeah, and especially with these with these new adversary cards for Tyrannoth, and then the adversary cards for the Star Wars game too. Um, they're very generic enough where. If you need to throw an encounter out there, like off the cuff, and you need an NPC or rival or nemesis or something, just throw, just get something that's close, and you got stats that are close, and you can really do a lot of off the cuff stuff easier with this system. I think with a D twenty system is, you know what I mean? Yeah. In a, in a ways, and I don't. I feel like there's not as much prep time. Oh yeah, is there ton- there's mm-hmm. hardly any prep time for me when it comes to those Star Wars games. I just show up with an idea of what NPCs will be in what areas and doing what things and what the factions mm-hmm. that are going through in the background are doing. Yeah. And then if they decide to go over and attack the Trandoshan slavers that work out of the space station that they live on and they want to go deal with those guys, I have a bunch of Trandoshan slavers that I can just yeah. pull up. Yeah. If they're dealing mm-hmm. with Imperials because they get or try to fly through an imperial blockade. Boom! I've got mm-hmm. all the imperial cards. I've got all the cards for, st- excuse me, for Star Wars. So I just immediately yeah. pull out what I need, and off we go. Yeah. Um, it's very quick on the fly. Very and, nice. And there are those, and everybody's made it. Everybody's made an adventure generator mm-hmm. as well. You know, um, there are plenty of really good ones out there too. I am sure I've seen them. Um, where you just ask yourself like five questions, you know, it's like, hey, where are you starting? I don't even know what the five questions are, but it'll walk you through and then boom, you'll have an adventure all created and hey, here's the mission we're going on. Mission generators, those kinds of things. So Or make yeah. a or as I've said before, make yourself an adventure journal. Grab you yourself go. a a book, uh a, a notebook and mm-hmm. just jot down potential encounters and various different adventure hooks and things like that in it. And then when your players go to a certain area where there's, yes. you know, this seems like this will fit, just slide it in there. You know what? We should, we sh- you know what? We should probably do a show on making a, a journal like that, a GM sure. journal, that kind of thing. That'd be good. Awesome. Okay. All right. So that was it for uh, that one. Okay. Thanks for the email, Will. Um, Appreciate preach it, Preach Will. Um, I don't Keep know which preaching. is his first name. <laughs> Keep on preaching, buddy. <laughs> hey, but, I'll read uh, the next one. Go right ahead, man. Okay, so from Mark Mayhew, he says, um, found your pay podcast a few weeks ago, and I'm going through it about as fast as I can. <laughs> nice. Um, I've been, um, let's see, I've been role-playing since the early 80s, but only started playing FF Systems earlier this year. Fantasy Flight Systems, I'm sure. That's what he meant there. Um, I've... Since converted pretty much every system genre I played at Genesis, our current campaign is set in Necromunda, and I don't see myself turning back anytime soon. 
Awesome sauce. <laughs> um, I was wondering if you have a, set, a forum set up anywhere. I've looked on Podbean and have found your Facebook page and Google Plus page, but wasn't finding any episode-specific discussions, though I will admit I get easily distracted and I've been known to overlook some pretty obvious things. Dude, I think this is like my long-lost brother. <laughs> or so <laughs> specifically you, you just get tired okay yeah. <laughs> specifically i was curious if there was any if there was some place i could find a written out breakdown of your one hit kill dragon slaying axe awesome <laughs> i've listened to that part of the episode like four times and each time i think i've got it but then um i try to recreate it from the rule book and i've get myself turned around. Um, I'm going to blame my aforementioned short attention span for that. I'm hoping this will help me get my players all on the same page about how the heroic abilities and especially the signature weapons work, as we each seem to have a slightly different interpretation. We've gone through the FF forums on these, but there seems to be a similar disagreement there. Ooh, I should probably look that up. I don't know what that disagreement is. Um, we've agreed, though, that Axe was awesome. <laughs> and however it was you came about building it would unite us in how the signature weapon heroic ability works. Thanks, Mark. Cue the thrash metal outro. <laughs> nice. So I responded <laughs> yeah. to Mark. And um, I'm going to quickly go through the build okay. of the Axe. And hopefully describe how signature weapons work. Before and, you go on to that, yeah, I dude. think another future show, we haven't talked about it ourselves, but I'm going to throw an audible out there. I think it would be a great show for us to go over heroic abilities alone and yes. how to build them and how to make them uh, cool and things like mm. this axe. Um, so cool. That'll, I put that one on our docket in the near future because I think it'll be a cool nice. one for us to cover. So Okay. Cool. So when I so when I was when I was creating this um, advantageous threat, I'm like, you know what? I kind of want to make Tony go. What the fuck did you just do, man? No fucking way. <laughs> what did you just do? So I wanted to try and get about a plus seventy, plus ninety percent to my actual roll when I roll on a crit table. So um, when you create a, hero, a signature weapon um, uh, for this heroic ability, what you would do is you would pick the type of weapon you want and i picked from the table um page it was on page 78 table 2-1 i picked a two-handed weapon picked a dwarven great axe because you pick either dwarven elven or steel so dwarven great axe gives it a critical rating um gives it the dwarven makes it i think just increased damage or something like that but it has a critical rating of three which is going to be important to this axe now mm -hmm. There are three sentences in the signature heroic ability, signature weapon heroic ability, that even Tony and I were discussing before the show how my interpretation of it might be the right one, might not be the right one, but this is kind of what I went with. So you can add attachments to this weapon as normal. However, you can choose one attachment that the signature weapon does not possess. When you activate this ability, the heroic ability, your signature weapon gains the effect of that attachment while the ability remains active. This does not have a cost, and it does not require any hard points. Other attachments can be added to the signature weapon in the standard way. Um, so again, to activate a heroic ability, you need to, it's an incidental. You spend two story points, 
and it lasts until the end of your next turn. So, so for two rounds. For two rounds. So what it means is when you activate your signature weapon, this any attachment that you can put on it is active for those two rounds. Now, I selected the Rune of Severing because it gives it the Vicious 5 quality, which means plus 50% when you roll on the critical hit table. That is the basis start. This is the whole... This is, the, this is what this weapon was built around, doing that, okay? Now, granted, that is a rarity 10 attachment, but because of the limitations of spending two story points, and it's only only once a, once a session, and only for two rounds, it seems like it's balanced there. So, um, so that gives me the plus 50% on a critical hit. Now, um... I've, I also added an attachment called the Razor's Edge. Now, the Razor's Edge gives you the pierce quality, and it reduces your critical rating by one and down to a two in this case because a critical rating of three. Okay. Now, um, you can upgrade your heroic abilities, and what I did is I upgraded Kills because Killzak, he's an experienced, you know, he's an experienced Dragon Slayer, so he'll have at least 50 earned mm-hmm. experience points. Um so for every 50 earned experience points, you get what's called a, um, an, what is it, heroic ability An ability point. point. An ability mm-hmm. point. And you could spend it to get the improved version of your signature weapon. And mm-hmm. that is your character's signature weapon gains either the reinforced quality or can be revealed to actually be of ancient craftsmanship and get that benefit. Now, ancient craftsmanship reduces... Um, the critical rating by one more to a minimum of one. So now I have this great axe, vicious five, with a crit rating of one. Now, yep. Now, um, this next part is the part that I believe Mark's group was missing because we threw a couple emails back and forth, and this is what he was missing. So, on page one hundred and three in the core rulebook under. Just above the other skills in combat sidebar, there is a paragraph that says, Some weapons and talents modify the critical injury roll, potentially making it more or less effective. If an attack generates enough advantage to trigger more than one critical injury, the character makes a single critical injury roll, adding plus 10 to the result for each additional time the critical rating is triggered. So essentially you could add plus 10 for every advantage you rolled with this weapon. Correct. Uh, past the first one. Correct. Right. So that's basically the basis of this weapon. Yeah. So, and that was kind of it. The only other thing was I used, I gave Killzak kill, Lethal Blows 2, ranks of Lethal Blows, which adds another 10% per rank. So I was going to add 70% off the top. Right, um, and the lethal blow, blows talent is a tier three talent found in the Genesis core uh, Genesis talents expanded list available on the right. uh, <laughs> FFG forums. It and is not in either of the core, either of the books. Correct. So, so I didn't realize that until I was writing this email out. I'm like, wait a sec, I can't find this in either book, and that's there's probably a reason for it because somebody probably munchkined it like I did. <laughs> uh, so, and then I think. Um, I'm pretty sure, I think Killzak would have one-shot this thing anyways, because I think I rolled a 96, and I was adding 70% anyway, because <laughs> I had a couple extra advantages there. So, um, yeah. that was a long explanation. 
Um, and like Tony said, we'll probably do a show all on her, uh, heroic abilities and probably spend it on building some signature weapons and such for people, too. So, um, yeah. So, appreciate the question there, Mark. <laughs> and I'm glad you guys enjoyed the axe. Yeah, baby. <laughs> yep. I give it a name? I can't remember if I named it. Gotta name I it. don't. Uh, yeah, you did. Yeah, it was uh, It was something Dragon Blight, Dragon Bane or something like that. Yeah, something Dragon like that. Blight. Dragon Blight. That's what I named it. Yep, absolutely. Yep. All right. All right. What next, next one. We have, like I said, we have a ton of feedback <laughs> yeah. uh, from Dan Cook on G Plus. Mm-hmm. Um, wrote uh, started listening as I prepared as I prepared to play in a Genesis one shot. I've gone from having no clue about Genesis to feeling like I'm almost prepared. Thanks for the great info. He forgot to put what podcast he got that from on our network. So all the other podcast guys took credit for giving him because I love the guys on our network. The the Savage Worlds podcast guys, the the tabletop twats, yeah. the, the RPG brewery, they're all like, you're welcome. <laughs> but he I knew he met our show since ours is the only one specifically <laughs> designated <laughs> to be Genesis. Uh, but uh, Dan Thanks for the input, and we're so glad to help you. That's what we're here for. I mean, honestly, as a GM, for me, podcasts are a great resource uh, to give me ideas. They help me learn Mm -hmm. systems before I run them. And without them, I would not have been able to to take off on the Star Wars RPG that I did. I started listening. Yeah, me too. Uh, I started listening to a uh, couple. I looked for live plays to listen to, and then I found the Order sixty six guys, and, mm-hmm. and then I found this weird podcast called the Gathering of Gathering of Dorks, Dorks and yeah. that's where I met Chris. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as Jamie being a and fan Matt. of that show, and, yeah. and Jamie and those guys, and they did live plays of Star Wars, and mm-hmm. and so yeah, for me, podcasts, you know, they hold a special place because yep. they lead me down this path they led me down this path and now i'm doing it and i love it so yeah um ditto <laughs> well said tony well said man <laughs> yeah I, yeah I, I like i like i'm i'm a um i learn by example so hearing live plays and he, feeling hearing the flow of the players playing real life games helps mm-hmm. too you know where oh he's tripping up on that oh there th- this group looks at rules all the time or whatever you know what i mean and even if they do, it doesn't necessarily slow the game up. Or you know what I mean? So you could get yeah. a lot of feel for some live plays if you can get through some of the downtime and you know I prefer the ones that have downtime where they're where the ones that are not overly edited myself personally. Me too. Yeah. Because it's I like real. to get the mechanics of the game and and mm-hmm. I feel like I'm at a table. When people kinda over edit, I lose interest. Um, right. Yeah. So and you know, and there are the podcasts I think on the brewery, the RPG brewery sometimes I mean, we throw we try and go through and not look up rules but then there are those times where we're like hey you know what we're playing a new game we're going to show you the new game we're basically you know like we were doing the um the whole creating the um one ring characters right mm-hmm. we taped that put that out there live and we did that and that was mostly looking up on the books and stuff and that helps right cool okay we have right. one one more yeah i'm going to uh, yeah we could do this one all right i'll i'll, I'll read this one from <laughs> From Michael, my coal is shining. Did I get it? My coal is shining? No. <laughs> my coal is shining. Uh, 
the American, <laughs> I don't know, the American um, <laughs> pronunciation. All right, anyways. Oh, the, the, south, the, the southern pronunciation. <laughs> That's right. My coal is shining. Is that good, Michael? <laughs> no. Anyway, um, okay, so he says, first off, thanks again for featuring my content. I really appreciate you taking the time to look over my works and have interest in them. Just listen to your interwebs episode and a great resource, and I'm answering your call for comments. I'll offer both a quick update from my end and a question. Genesis is such a great catalyst for my imagination. I've whipped up so many unique settings in the last few months, all due to knowing I can work with work them into Genesis with little effort. As for the settings, here's a quick rundown um, of that I am confident in. Stargate 1963, live right now in a play-by-post via Discord. Very cool. War for Trappist 1, cassette futurism Titanfall versus alien mechs in the titular star system. That's cool. Other lands, Ark Survival Evolved, but mythical rather than paleontological. I've played Ark Survival Evolved. That's a game, that's a survival game where you're dropped on an island and you hit resources, build stuff. Pretty cool. Playing that in Genesis, though, a survival game could be fun, could be gritty. Yeah, that could be kind of cool. Dark Umbra, Dark Sun meets Elder Scrolls. Oh boy, dot, dot, dot. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> that's what I think too. <laughs> that sounds cool. <laughs> yeah, that sounds cool. Now to my question: How do you guys finally choose a setting to flesh out and play? I know there's always the quote-unquote fun factor that you always need to go with primarily, but what other considerations do you run through before diving deep setting into deep setting development? Keep on podcasting, guys, and hope to roll some bones with you at some point. Michael, Michael is shine, Mike. Colin is shining. Um, please, and he said, "Hey, P.S. Keep trying my last name's pronunciation. And sure, I'm sure you'll nail it eventually." I'm yeah, pretty I'm sure we didn't today. Pretty no, I'm pretty sure we nailed it. <laughs> um, so, Tony, fleshing out a, a setting to play. Oh, I always I- like ones that just called me. Yeah, I, I, I go with my gut. I know what my players like um, yeah. in, in most of the groups that I run with. And I I can guarantee you things I'm interested in, not all my players are going to be interested in. I have to kind of know more mm-hmm. of what they're into. Because mm-hmm. um, it's not all about, even though, you know, in the past, you know, dungeon masters like myself might think that it might be all about them. I've never really thought that, but there are DMs and GMs out there that think it's all about themselves, but it's not. Get a clue, everybody. It's about <laughs> everybody at the table. Everybody is taking time out of their life to have fun and get around the gaming table. It's your game as a player as much as the GM. Amen, Sorry, I had brother. To put that out there. No, I. Hey, dude, that's a soapbox. I'll stand on there with you, buddy. Cool. Yeah. That so, is, so it's a, it's a ta- it is a group game. That's mm-hmm. why we play role playing games. We don't play yes. role playing games to sit down and tell everybody else how our life is or how we want the world around us to be. Right. We we sit down to play with a group of people and get feedback from them and have mm-hmm. them enjoy the game and we enjoy the game and so. Getting that player buy-in, getting that player involvement is key. That's a number one thing for me. Yeah, that, that, that's my that's my finally. That, that's how I choose. You know, hey, are you guys interested in this or this or this? If they say yes, boom, that's it. That's it for me. Yeah. Yep. 
that that's my big thing right there. Mm-hmm. And then after that, of course, then you know settings to work on. Um, well, honestly, I, I chose Hellgate initially because that was what my friends were initially. They used to love the game. Mm-hmm. Um, my my Grognard group for the last thirty years. They we, when I did a Pathfinder version of it, they loved it. They wanted cool. to play it. So when I did when Genesis came, I wanted to do it there. They were like, "Yeah, do that." Well, then, eh, after a while, they lost interest. I lost interest. I found <laughs> other things to work on. Mm-hmm. Then we started working on Middle Earth. Yep. And we did that for our own reasons. And then now working on our Primordial Machina, mm-hmm. it's this is something that I know my players are going to buy into big time. Cool. Yeah. Uh, and so I know that I can put all my effort and creative juices into this and I know they're going to get maximum out from it. Yeah. Because I just know them. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and, that, and that's, that's it. That I mean, I, I, I ditto again. Preaching to the choir here, man. <laughs> All right. No, well, <laughs> Michael Mikolishian, thank you very much, my friend. Nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh that is it for our feedback side. Holy <laughs> crap. We, yeah. How long has that been? Um, Half an hour uh, into it? <laughs> man, we, you people are awesome. Thank yes. you for all wonderful emails and messages. Mm-hmm. Uh, keep talking to us. We'll keep trying to answer them all. Oh, we yeah. have shows coming up. We even have uh, bits where we throw some of the feedback from people's questions, little questions and such, where we're going to be throwing them into other parts of the show just to to get through some of this so absolutely all right man so next let's go on to the next section of the show oh that 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 one where we give away something yeah we will yay Welcome to 50 Pieces of Awesome! Yeah! (laughs) The crowd goes wild. This is where Chris finds something cool on the interwebs and talks about it. He will share it with me and you for the first time today. What is it, buddy? Oh, do I have something special for all of you. Actually, I shall say Solidus on the Fantasy Flight forums had something very special to to share with us a couple weeks ago. He put together some item and talent cards for Tyrannoth. And, wow, dude. These things are cool. I mean, the, I download. I think I got, like, my hands sort of cramping after downloading all, all these things. But, um... I'm, I'm clicking on the link now. Uh-huh, yeah, and I'll have these, I'll have these links in the show notes, too. Um, yeah, put all the items on little item cards. Not little item cards. These things are pretty sweet, dude. So, Oh, op- dude, these are beautiful. Yes, yes, they <laughs> are. And there was something, you know, I, I, I want to open up one of these things. This might be a house rule that um, Silidus and his um, group, his or her um, group, have put together and use. I'm opening up something called Nemesis Parts. <laughs> okay. And basically, you make a simple survival check or alchemy check to harvest useful parts from any defeated Nemesis. And again, these are for Tyrannoth, but the same concept can be used in like other games and such. Um, harvesting parts takes about approximately an hour. 
and can be performed once per encounter, you immediately gain two times the wound threshold of the nemesis per success in gold pieces and place it on the card. Cool. Um, so yeah, you could like harvest stuff from monsters and it's kind of built in and, um, signs kind of in a, and, and I think, you know, mileage may vary as to if you guys wanted to change the, the, um, amounts here for this, but this seems to be his own house rule, which is pretty sweet. And he's got pictures and descriptions and such on all of these. Yeah. That is so very cool. I like that. I'm reading the Nemesis parts that you brought up. He's got one for also for rival parts and minion parts, all three. Yes. That's really cool. I like that. It is that that gets sweet. into the tone of our, our – I like how you picked that. This kind of a good segue because these kind of get is. into the tone of our show for today. But, yeah, I yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, using things in slightly different ways. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, you know, you got smoke bomb, and I mean, not everything. And I'm thinking this Tyon Deer one is probably a special bow that he created for mm-hmm. his party, which is cool. Glad he shared it with us. That's awesome. Um, added spiked plate mail, um, which you know he just added spikes to the um to the plate mail armor. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. So having these in front and, you know, I mean, you can, it looks like you could probably print these out, fold it in half and put it in like a, um, go to any gaming store and get the clear, clear plastic sleeves. My, um, my buddy, his, um, he ended up buying those, um, D shift 7D, um, spell cards, put them in a three ring binder for his son so that mm-hmm. he could just Hey, here are the spells you have. And you can just look at them double sided and such. So. You don't have to open up a book. Yes, and they're right there. And if you put them in these plastic sleeves, I've found that the dry erase markers, mm-hmm. um, you can write on them and mark on them, and you just wipe it off with like a simple, you know, tissue or you know, paper towel or something like that. And they wipe nice. off easy, easily enough. That's cool. Uh, same thing for min- for the adversary cards too. Throw those in the plastic sleeves, and you could just mark off. Hey, the Wound threshold is now this, and make notes and such on it. So that's yeah, very so these, cool. Yeah, so these cards are pretty sweet. A lot of PNG images, so you can print out however many you want. Um, I haven't gone into seeing like how they're sized and whatnot, but they're all probably about twenty five megs. So yeah, you can size them, print them out. Well very done. Very nice. Well done. So, Mister Silidus, over on the FFG forums. We grant you 50 pieces of awesome. Great job. Mm-hmm. So welcome back, everybody. And you can open up your book of Genesis to page... What was that page, Tony? 205. 205. Uncoupling... Skills from characteristics. This is probably a, a very good point, a good time to tell everybody what the name of our <laughs> episode is. We well, are... we get so busy with the feedback, I, I forgot know. to mention. <laughs> Which we always do. So we are calling this episode Teaching Old Skills New Tricks. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's a good. That's a good title. Tony always comes up with these titles. I'm not that creative. <laughs> you are too. Quit kicking yourself in the nuts. <laughs> 
Ah, here, I'll have a break. How about that? <laughs> All right. So, uh, <laughs> uncoupling skills. We just wanted to talk about that briefly before we get into unique new ways to use some of the old skills. Because yes. that's really what this is about. It's about uh, finding new ways to use old skills. It's finding mm-hmm. unique ways to use them. And also, as it says here... Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and read from the book at the beginning here. It says, in Genesis, whenever you and your players make a skill check, skill determines what characteristic you use to set the dice pool. This alternate rule throws out that link. <laughs> Instead, whenever you make a skill check, you choose which characteristic to use with which skill. Your choice needs to make sense in-game, so it depends on the approach the character is taking to accomplish a task. When a character chooses what characteristic to use, they should briefly explain to their fellow players why is this characteristic, why it it makes sense. Uh, For example, it gives a little um, example. Huck and Mercedes are both interrogating a suspect in the police custody using coercion normally coercion is linked to willpower however huck says he's he'll offer the suspect a cup of coffee and chat them up beforehand he proposes using his presence for coercion mercedes on the other hand chooses to be rough with the suspect since since she is physically attacking the suspect she proposes using her brawn for coercion i'm liking that so this is basically like the this is the L5R way of doing skills um, because in the new L5R game the skills are not coupled to a specific ring you just a- apply the approach that yes. matters. This is something you can do on the fly all the time for your game gems or you can do it once in a while when a player describes something they're doing that's outside the box. Remember this is the yes and system. Mm-hmm. So if you have a player who says Hey, I'm going to be climbing that uh, that zip line, going up the opposite direction. I'm climbing it, and I'm doing the hand over hand with my feet, and I'm hanging upside down, and I'm climbing this thing. Well, that's athletics, and that uses brawn. Mm-hmm. But if you got another character, say, oh, I don't know, a, a really agile thief who says, you know what, I'm a tightrope walk up that thing. You may want that to still be an athletics check instead of coordination. Just have them use their agility. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and again, listen to what your players say. If they throw something out there, it is the yes and system. And if it's way out of the box, you'll get... <laughs> players tend to... um sort what I'm looking for. Police themselves, too. Other players yeah. would go, oh, dude, stop metagaming or <laughs> whatever, right? Um, and I mean, it's always good to have a table like that where you're throwing out ideas and kind of coming together and cooperating, cooperating together. Cause that's what it is. I had a player in one of my star Wars games. He had a, uh, he had the cyber arms, okay. uh, on his character. And he said, you know, I imagine he had a brawn of five with dedication and these cyber arms. And he was like, I imagine I'm like super, super strong. I'm like, yeah, he goes, I'd like to flip the speeder over onto a guy. So I had him, uh, but he actually wanted to pick it up and throw it at somebody, is what it started out as. So I had him originally decide, okay, he was going to make a ranged heavy check with his brawn. Okay. And it totally worked. 
Um, That's cool. <laughs> I like now, that. Now, full despair while doing it, and nice. like pistons shot out on his cyber arm. Um, <laughs> and so his his one of his cyber arms was completely limp at its at his side for the rest of the encounter. So you disarmed him. Yeah, oh, I disarmed him. <laughs> damn it, you jumped that one. <laughs> hey, I might be I might be half asleep, but damn it, I am still witty. Dude, you are sharp as a butter knife today. I tell you what. Yeah, watch it. <laughs> so yeah, that is uh, that is uncoupling skills. Again, you could do it all the time and just decide on the fly, or yeah. you can um, you can do it just once in a while. That's right. But we just wanted to throw it out there to let you all know that option is available for, yeah. you, for you to do. Because Genesis is a pretty good system. We tend to like it. So let's talk about, and we'll freeform talk about some of the other skills we have listed here and new let's ways to use them. Perfect. Uh, first one being, because it applies to our setting, Primordial Machina, mm-hmm. alchemy. Yeah. We totally decided to use that as almost a magic skill where you're creating yeah. things on the fly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're able to do mimic spell effects by creating devices on the fly with alchemy slash steam craft or whatever we decided. We I think we just decided to call it alchemy. I think we did. Yeah. Um, it, there's nothing wrong with this. I mean, this kind of mimics the alchemist in D&D. Uh, the, or in Pathfinder, sorry, the, yeah. it's a Pathfinder um, class yep. where they have all these unguents and uh, potion bottles up and shit. Yeah. Potion bottles. They have this all pre-mixed, and all they got to do is add the last two ingredients to make it active. That's kind right. of thing. <laughs> Shake it up, and throw the and, bombs and stuff. Right, it, it makes a bomb attack. This is, you can mm-hmm. totally use alchemy in that way to to mimic a magic skill. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. What else? Well, how about using athletics? Say your guy, say one of your characters has a background in, um, I don't know, the decathlon. Okay. And he wants to throw something. Well, I maybe use athletics to do that. Okay. You know I mean? For thrown attacks instead of ranged. Your ranged yeah. attacks. I would totally allow that. Okay. Now, you know? would you. Would you increase difficulty, add setback dice? What would you do there? I would probably increase the difficulty. Um, yeah, I would probably increase the difficulty. It'd probably be based, I think it would be based on what they're trying to do. Like, if mm-hmm. they're trying to throw that hover sled <laughs> or something at somebody, I'd probably increase the difficulty. Now, if somebody wanted to throw... I don't know, like a bowling ball at somebody. Eh, maybe it'll be a couple couple setback dice or something like that. You know, what a I mean? bowling ball with her dad's head inside. Yeah, <laughs> Mister Man reference. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. The uh, bowler. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that's an that's an idea. I mean, I could totally see that. You know, okay. happening like having a um a background like your character like has a background as a professional athlete. Mm-hmm. To use some of these things, so yeah. What's next? Uh, computers. Um, I there's a lot of different uses for computers, and one oh, of the things yeah. I want to throw out here in one of my audibles, I wanted to call here, mm-hmm. um, the 
the Star Wars books are a great resource. If you happen to have them or want to pick one up, if you're running an espionage-style game, um, first of all, the 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 one that I'm thinking of is called uh, Ciphers and Masks. Oh, yeah, it dude. has this covert ops section that begins on page 70 of that book. And it talks about all kinds of neat ways to use computer skills in different ways than other than listed in the core books. Uh, and then it goes on not only computer, it goes into deception, it goes into uh, skullduggery and stealth and cool. all different different ways of using those. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also gives you cool new uses for uh, advantage and threat and triumphs and despairs nice. on a nice handy chart there. Those are a great resource if you're going to be running an investigative or uh, a spy game. Mm-hmm. Um, I recommend picking that up. Cool. But um, computers, what I was going to go into is normally forging documents is a skullduggery. Yes. But you could totally do it in computers. In fact, I believe a certain slicer in one of my Star Wars games used uh, his computers to forge landing documents or uh, landing passes for Mm. his crew to be able to land at a special platform on Coruscant so they could avoid Imperial inspection. Absolutely (laughs) he did. (laughs) And yeah, so I mean, that obviously would be more of of a tech themed game um maybe in the android setting that's coming up mm-hmm. um maybe there might be something in another section of the show where we might go into more details we'll see uh-huh. <laughs> is that foreshadowing right. might be <laughs> <laughs> so the next okay. thing next one we have here was oh was there anything else on computers we want to talk about? oh there's a ton there's i mean you can use <laughs> it for encrypting data creating pass keys uh yep Designing training games that help your player, uh, other players, train on certain things, so that you know you want to have an uh, as an out of game, out of uh, game con. Um, sorry, um, not an out of game. Out but of a, encounter. Out of encounter uh, use of a skill. So you have, if you're one of those GMs that likes to say, "Hey, well, you didn't use that skill. Why are you putting points in it?" Well, now yeah. you can have your you can have your hacker. Well, I'm going to create a program for them so they can train on that. That's right. So, yeah, like create like your piloting, a piloting simulation or whatever, or whatever, riding. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. That is yeah, the computers cool. has got a lot of uses there. I mean, and like I said, that's all stuff that's right out of this covert mm-hmm. ops in uh, in uh, the Star Wars uh, Age of Rebellion ciphers and masks. Cool. So cool. Right. How about what's next, Chris? Let's see. We have mechanics for improvised weapons and creating improvised weapons, right? Is that kind of right. what we're thinking here? Um, kit bashing. Or what if you created stuff. one you had to tweak on the fly? So oh, would you, you be using that for your attack skill? Um, you could. I would yeah. think so. Um, especially like if you're... If you're creating, I mean, I know that mechanics um, and then creating like explosives, that's kind of related there. So if you wanted to rig something to blow up and time it out and whatever, this would be the skill to use for that, which we've, and that, that's kind of an improvised weapon. Um, maybe if you, if Rambo is part of, is, is in your party and you <laughs> wanted to make him some exploding arrow tips, mm-hmm. that could be a mechanics check, I would think. Sure. You know? 
Again, you okay. can do that out of combat too, you know, to mm-hmm. prep things um, for your party. Um, and again, like kit bashing, you know, things together and, and, and whatnot too. Okay. Rig things to explode. Um, do some sabotage on enemy systems, which I, it might be called out there in a book. I can't remember. But um, you can obviously... If you could fix stuff with mechanics, you could sh- certainly break shit with mechanics, right? That's right. <laughs> exactly. But setting up sabotaging something is, yes. man, that is definitely right in the wheelhouse of mechanics. It, it doesn't say it in specifically in the core rulebook that, that that's part of the skill, but it is. it falls right in there. Yep, yep. And again, if you're doing like that spy-based sabotage game, mechanics would, and along with computers, would be a good... Um, Good combo to have, most definitely. Yeah. What's next, dude? Piloting for underwater vehicles and mechs. Yes. Um, now, yeah, they talk about operating being for large crewed ships, but we're talking like in, like those in, individual submersible subs, mm-hmm. like like those high speed, completely unbelievable ones that were in the Meg movie. Um, <laughs> what? That wasn't real. <laughs> <laughs> Or, uh, like, mechs from, oh, I don't know, if you were doing, like, a Pacific Rim-style game or a Battletech-style game. Piloting works for those things, too. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and I think it's been split up into space and planetary in Star Star Wars. Um, mm -hmm. Have they split it up in... Genesis anywhere? No, no but just, you could. You could, you you could if could. you had, if you had, like, if you were okay. I'm thinking Jim Parton here, our buddy who's doing the. He did the GI Joe, uh, oh, yeah. the Real American Hero setting. Mm-hmm. It would probably be kind of cool for him to have different kind of pilotings because yes. there are so many different specialists in that game. Yes. That oh, this guy specialized in underwater piloting, and this guy mm-hmm. was your helicopter pilot, and this guy was your... You could totally divide piloting up into three, four different categories and and, right. and create skills of your own for it. But mm-hmm. Or you could just leave it all under one skill and totally use it narratively. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what just popped into my head, too? Um, mm-hmm. You could even do... And I don't even think... has I, Have you seen this done... In Star Wars before, or in um, or anywhere in Genesis, but for every rank you have in, say, a piloting skill, you could pick a different specialty. Like your I've first not seen rank, that. Your but... first rank could be um, jets. Your second rank could be mechs. I don't know. I, I'm just you throwing could... it out there. You, it, it's not it's not outside the realm of possibility. Mm-hmm. I I personally would rather do talents for that. Yeah, um, yeah, that's true. Ta- if you're going to have a specialization like that, then you know having that underwater talent, underwater pilot talent, allowing you to do cooler things when piloting underwater machines, mm-hmm. like removing setback dice or adding boost dice, or being right. able to do um, special maneuvers that only a person with that talent could do. Those are those are the realm of talents, in my right. opinion. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I was just thinking of when we were saying like, oh, a three in this skill is an expert, somebody who's a professional that would get paid a decent salary for that kind of stuff. Somebody sure, who's sure. a four or a five would be like Tom Cruise and Top Gun. Oh, sorry, or Iceman. <laughs> you know. <laughs> 
<laughs> gotcha. So yeah, yeah that, that's so that's what I was thinking. Yeah, but yeah, the talents is totally a way to go with that too. But yeah, okay. What's what's next? Wow, it's your turn, mine? bud. My turn. Oh, <laughs> sorry, I'm awake. <laughs> <laughs> so we have perception as investigation. Mm-hmm. I like it. So instead of creating an investigation skill, you use perception for this. Now I know I had asked you before. You had done an investigative. You ran like your deep, um, your deep madness game. You mm-hmm. used vigilance as well for that as well. You know yep. I, mean? I used vigilance for what you will catch just walking into a room. Yes, and and then if you asked to explore further, it was mm-hmm. perception. Yeah. Um. And so that was basically an investigation role. Yeah. And oh, you know what? My 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 um buddy and I were at lunch the other day, and we were talking about investigative using Genesis for an investigative type of role. Um. Oh, actually, we should probably I should probably save this for Tuesday night, huh? When mm-hmm. we're talking to Jamie. All right. Mm-hmm. I'll table it. <laughs> All right, but it has everything to do with maybe using knowledge skills and stuff too to give people free information, so that that's the thing about an if you're going to run an investigative game, mm-hmm. you do not want the story to come to a complete halt on a failed skill check. Correct. You do not want that. You want the, to give them information. But those skill checks, the successes, those advantages, those triumphs that you get, or even vice versa, the threats, despairs they get on those skill checks either makes that investigation skip a couple steps, whether they get a lot of information, or they find um, something called a red herring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, a little, you know, a little item called a red herring or something out there, right? They kind of those are great uses of threat, yeah. But the thing is, they still get information to go to from A to B. Mm-hmm. Not on. I'm not saying keep them on rails, but every GM knows what I'm talking about. If you've <laughs> tried to run something like this, so yeah. Well, investigative horror always works best in one shots, and yep. in my opinion, um, yeah. and so uh, you're. You're not so much worried about the rails when you're doing a one shot no. or a small, small campaign, no. you know. Right. But yeah, so perception, that's um once you kind of go into the room, your perception is used to spot and grab those details mm-hmm. of the clues that might be in the room that you're looking at. Like you know, like Sherlock Holmes says, right? You see but you do not observe. You hear but you do not listen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, next we have leadership. Now, leadership, uh, this skill, I mean, it could be used for specific talents. Uh, You've got inspiring rhetoric and uh, command and things like that. Um, But um, you can also use it for battle tactics. And what I mean by that is, let's say uh, you're maybe looking for the high ground on a battlefield to send your sniper up there mm-hmm. or you're you know you you have um need a way to get your true uh somebody to flank your opponent uh to give them boost dice there is nothing wrong with making using leadership to give you a tactical knowledge of the battlefield mm-hmm. and maybe help your fellow players along um Yep. And then also, another one that I'd like to bring up, because 
I still think these Star Wars books are an amazing resource. They are. Lead by example. The source book for Age of Rebellion for the Commanders. On page 70 of that, they talk about mass combat and running mass combat for... uh, So picture the Battle of Helm's Deep. If you want to run it in Genesis, this is where you go to look. If you're wanting to run uh, the invasion of Normandy and you want to run it in Genesis, this is where you go to look. Yep. The the key is, is that leadership becomes the key skill when it comes to uh, mass combat. And uh, it is used for a blanket check. Uh, So it's it's a good resource. Check it out if you're ever going to run mass combat or you want to run a system that uses it a lot. I would recommend going out and getting that also. Cool. Yeah, that's yeah, ditto. <laughs> okay. All right. So, we're on to a skill you could totally call skullduggery the uber skill. <laughs> Umlauts over the U, you know, everything. <laughs> um, Uber skill! <laughs> Uber skill! <laughs> like Uber Vice! <laughs> it's the skill of all skills. You can do everything in it with the Skullduggery. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, obviously Skullduggery, that's your sleight of hand, pickpocketing, those kinds of things. But could picking use documents. Picking, yeah, forging documents. Um, disguising yourself, um, mm-hmm. hiding that blaster. Could uh-huh. be a skullduggery check. Could be a stealth check. Could be skullduggery. Uh-huh. Could be skullduggery because you know the, it, maybe you know the bouncers, this specific bouncer doesn't pat the ankles. That's where you'd want mm-hmm. to hide your gun or whatever. But you could swap out the cunning um, uh, characteristic that this is linked to to say what? Presence, right, Tony? Yep, yep. You could do a presence for like disguises. Mm-hmm. If you went presence in Skullduggery to do disguises, or for cheating at gambling, to have that stoic totally... look, the yeah. poker face, poker face. Yes, <laughs> yes. There's other uncouplings that you can do with Skullduggery, mm-hmm. um, like agility mm-hmm. for your for removing traps, for lock picking, mm-hmm. for um, pickpocketing. Sure. You know, if you wanted to steal the pants off of that guy, <laughs> like in the like in the gamers, right? The gamers right. movie. You totally I want that stole guy's that guy's pants. pants. I mean, hey. Then he backstabbed him with a ballista. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. Because you can do that in three five. <laughs> you can do that. You can do that in Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All you right. Can also um, do, we also have what we have here. We also have intellect. You can yep. uncouple, you know, the intellect for forgery and electronic security. So if you wanted to forge documents, or say you wanted to forge a, I don't know, a, you know, a, um, like a Ming Dynasty vase. Yeah. You're doing a, you're doing a, um, a heist or something like that, and you need to create a replica because you're going to replace it. Well, that's totally where I was going with that forgery comment. That that's exactly really? like if oh, you <laughs> if you were using, you know, if you were using your knowledge of mm-hmm. how to create a fake yes. uh, work of art or something to place in, you know, because, yeah. you know, misdirection there. Mm-hmm. Totally Not just documents, yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay. Awesome sauce. Next we have 
writing. <laughs> so we had a question from Donald William over on Facebook, uh-huh. and he said, what about dragon writing in Terranoth? <laughs> cool. It would be completely cool to do. <laughs> and I think eventually my dwarf, if I ever come back and join you guys again, um, would totally love to dragon write. Yeah. Write a dragon. It's uh, essentially, I mean, it talks about in the Terranoth book using flying mounts and even goes into depth on some of the flying mounts available to players. Okay. Um, where is that? And, and you have a little sidebar in the book where it talks about mounted combat, where you can do mounted combat with your writing skill. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Page? That's right. It's um, new skills and rules, right? Yeah. That, that was uh, on page uh, 82. 83. 83, yeah. That's where the mounted combat is. And then afterwards, you know, on page, uh, I want to know. There we go. On page 105 is where we get into those riding mounts. And there's, it talks about uh, the flying mounts, Mm -hmm. uh, 104, 105. But uh, the the key thing with this, Donald, is um, you're treating your mount like a vehicle. Yes. Now there is a there is a talent actually. I think one of my um characters picked it up called mm-hmm. Cavalier. It is a second level talent. Mm-hmm. And this kind of might answer his question Donald's question a little bit as well. Um is it second tier? I don't know. Maybe is it's it? third. No, I think it's third. Hang on, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Gosh, sorry people. Tier yeah, three. Tier three. While riding a mount trained for battle. Or flying mount, see page 104. Once per round, your character may use this talent to direct the mount to perform an action. So, so yeah. there you go. You could fly. If you're not doing anything too crazy, you probably don't need to make a roll. But if you're in combat and you're getting shot at, maybe your mount takes damage. Maybe you take damage. It might call for a riding check, right? I probably would. Yep. The key here is that uh, when mount, when using a flying mount, you essentially just, you're treating it just like as if you were flying. That any difficult terrain is not an issue. Right. Yep. And you're you know you have that vertical axis you got to worry about in mm-hmm. range increments, but it's it's still narrative. Yep. You know, someone at long range is at long range, whether they're long range looking up or long range looking out, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, not for game mechanics. Maybe if you want to throw in a setback dice because they're firing an arrow straight up as opposed to firing it outward. Yeah. Makes perfect sense narratively. Mm-hmm. Those are great chance for setback dice. Right. Be, be, uh, and, and if you're on the high ground on a dragon looking down and firing arrows, obviously that's boost dice. Yeah. Um, free uses of your boost dice, your setback dice while riding on a flying mount is what they're designed for. Part of what they're designed for. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't. I don't it, know. If, I, I don't think you really need to make it that much more complicated than riding a regular horse, war horse, right. whatever. You know, the dragons obviously are intelligent creatures, mm-hmm. um, yep. and they're going to get their. I mean, if you want with a player who doesn't have the cavalier skill, maybe because he doesn't have that cavalier talent, he's spending too much time focused on trying to stay on the dragon. Yeah. yeah. He's not action. able to do... Yeah, that's his action. And the dragon does all the attacks on his initiative. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I don't see a problem with that. I, I don't see... 
Yeah, but if he has that talent, maybe, you know, then you see, I picture Dragonlance every time someone says Dragon Lighting. I, I, know, I, yeah. I, I see someone with that lance yes. flying at another dragon in the sky trying to, mm-hmm. you know, you've got the attacks for the rider and for the for the mount, and it totally works with the Cavalier skill. But again, or Cavalier talent, excuse me. Yeah, yeah. which is uh, not specific, yeah. but you can totally have it in something similar in another setting. Definitely. But it's no different than using, you know, if you're riding a horse or if you were riding speeder bikes in a Star Wars setting or if you're mm-hmm. riding around on a, a hover skateboard in a in a uh, Back in, to the Future in setting. In the future, right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. It, it, essentially, you, you treat any difficult terrain as not an issue mm-hmm. and you move around the battlefield freely. Exactly. It's no different. Nope. Nope. What's next? Let's see. So, oh, one other thing that I had in here for writing <laughs> was, <laughs> so let me tell you, <laughs> I, I, is there a, I, I'm calling, I'm putting a call out there. You guys got to email us or whatever. Is there a DM dungeon master? Yes, I said it, everybody. Or GM out there that has never had a player want to climb on a big, bad, evil guy or land on the big, bad, evil guy. Mm-hmm. And attack from the back of a big bad evil guy. Have him make yeah. a riding check when he's jumping or attacking or climbing. If it's going to be multiple rounds, ride check. Oh, dude, yeah, something like that, right? <laughs> now, keep in mind the silhouette. You should probably have them be at least one silhouette bigger than you, maybe two. Yes, before you, and but. that could make the riding check easier too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, yeah, true. One silhouette bigger because they are kind of exponential. So one silhouette bigger mm-hmm. than you is enough. Yeah. Two or same, three. Like same silhouette probably wouldn't allow it. But probably not. I mean, you'd be taking that person down. But if you're, ground. say, a gnome and you want to jump on the Minotaur's back and 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 oh. pull on his horns and try and steer him around the battlefield. Oh. Um, <laughs> Darn it, you gave me another character concept. <laughs> Minotaur riding gnome. Yeah. Um, all right, I had one other thing on uh, on writing because, again, I am the master of mentioning the Star Wars books. Uh, beast riding. Can you uh, tell is, that, 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 um, that Tony's played Star Wars before? <laughs> well, these, I mean, all of these. These are great books. These are great resources for Genesis. I don't. This is it's the it's mother the system, system of it's mm-hmm. the mother system of Genesis. It is, and it, it, so it, it gives you intuitive things that you can just port over for free that don't yeah. cause. I mean, they don't, they don't, they translate easily. Yeah. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, so anyhow, they have rules for beast riding. Oh my god! Dude. Um, when I first saw that a couple years ago, when they sent that out, I'm mm-hmm. like, what? They actually, they actually added, bolted on a new, a new rule, and it made sense, and it fits seamlessly into vehicles. Mm-hmm. How vehicles work? <laughs> yep. Yeah. And beast, beast writing is on page eighty in the Age of Rebellion Stay on Target source book for aces, mm-hmm. and it goes over flying mounts. It goes over riding around uh, on beasts with uh, that are highly encumbered. It goes up over fear checks and mounts, which is great for dragons. Um, mm-hmm. And it goes over the maneuvers that you can do while flying on a mount that 
is a beast. Yes. So, or an ancient dragon beast. Or a griffin. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> griffin riding 101. So, yeah. That's awesome. that, uh, it's right there. In, uh, They're great source books. Yeah. I think that's the last one I'm going to mention. I promise. Today. <laughs> Whatever, dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Anybody want to take bets? <laughs> what's the last skill? The last skill we have is survival. And yeah, everybody, survival. You can do a lot of things with survival. You mm-hmm. can um you could find shelter in using survival instead of perception, which I think everybody might think of doing. We and, but it wouldn't but when you're when you're calling for uh, search checks, like when you're say, hey, I want to find something. Oh, perception. Well, wait a minute. What are you trying to find? Shelter for yourself. Well, you use survival instead. What, what about settings? What about settings that don't have writing in them? There's some settings that don't have writing skills. Survival falls under them. That is true. That is true. I would I would use I would use I would allow survival as a if you wanted to ride a beast or something. In, in Star Wars, that's where beast riding falls under. It falls under survival. Oh, it does. So, All right. Yeah. Excellent. Oh, that's so true. In a, in a, in a, a high tech setting, they don't have a high. They don't have a riding skill. They don't tell you to use it in high tech settings. But there's nothing wrong with it. You're in a high tech setting, and you decide you want to jump on a horse, or you decide you want to mm-hmm. jump on the back of, you know, a, a beast of some kind. Uh, very yeah. much like if you're in an on an alien world riding on a beast. Right. It's a survival check. That's true. Okay. Cool. What's next? Um, let me see. I have. Um, I put in here. Why not make it instead of making a medicine check to maybe heal somebody with mm-hmm. natural herbs or other natural source in the wild? Have them make a survival check. Oh, we need ethylest. Oh, what is that's kingfoil, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, that's a survival check that they made that Sam made to say, oh, that's a weed or whatever, right? Nice. What else? Uh, stealth. Mm-hmm. Uh, by checking to uh, make a stealth check to apply camouflage or blend into your surroundings or hide your gear in the wilderness. Absolutely, make uh, g- make ghillie suit if you want. Right, right. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was, was I was just I was just telling Tony that I just watched Predator, the new one and the old one, specifically the old one with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Man, they didn't put their camo on right because <laughs> you wanted to make the flat surface they call it a ghost face right but these mm-hmm. guys they got like black slashes going across her face oh you look so cool but you know what I can see you <laughs> <laughs> dummy <laughs> that's not a stealth check they were making stealth checks they were not making survival checks <laughs> when they were putting on their camouflage right right okay and then of what course, else we got? Well, and then of course on page ninety-seven, there's the one with nature talent, which allows you to make a survival check to recover strain after an encounter if you're in the wild, if you're in the wilderness. That's actually pretty cool. And I can't and that's remember what a very people. handy one for a druid type character. Absolutely. Yeah, because survival is going to be right in your bread and butter, but mm. maybe not discipline so much or cool. Yes, absolutely. I can't so, remember what, what tier that one was. Well, I don't remember. Page 97, though. <laughs> was it really? Oh, crap. Because it's in the Tiernoff book. <laughs> ah. It's in the Tiernoff so, book. Well, I I have that right here. Oh, I can no, probably not. look it up did for I you. Did I say 97? No, you did. It's, 
Nope. But I don't. It's on page don't 74. It. Why did I say 97? <laughs> yeah, I good. don't know. Were yeah, you it's, a, it's a tier one. It? It's a tier one talent in the core book, page seventy four. Okay. Great. Ninety seven. Right. <laughs> dude, I don't sorry know. Sorry about that. <laughs> sorry about that. Yeah, that was my show notes mistake. So, then you had one last thing you wanted to mention here before we move on to the next section. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, you- I have I, I have a couple of audibles here. A couple of things that I added to our list. One is, um, well, first off. Any skill is a knowledge skill. Okay. Plain and simple. Because you're athletic. Yeah, you might have, but you know things about athletics. You might know some things. Now, my the thing that I was saying here is make combats, use combat skills for knowledge checks. So say I want to know what kind of, how many, how many shots are in the magazine that guy, in the pistol that guy's using. Because I'm counting how many shots he has. Oh, well, it's not a revolver, but it is a 9mm Beretta, which has, I don't know, maybe 15 shots. Well, have, have instead of making a knowledge warfare check, if you don't have warfare in, the, in, in your setting, have make a range check. Or if they just have one rank in ranged. Oh, yeah, you know, it's 15... You know, 15 rounds or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, just having a rank in the skill is good enough to know basic to information. Them, yes, absolutely. And that was that was my kind of an audible there. Don't Feel free to use these combat skills for other than combat checks. Sure. You know, knowledge about what you'd be using with them. And then the other thing I wanted to mention is back when I was playing Star Wars, there was this awesome podcast. Well, there was a segment in the Order 66 podcast called Skill Monkey. It was mm-hmm. between five and ten minutes, and it was basically he, you know, this guy, the skill monkey, going through and making checks, kind of like our advantageous threats, almost. But mm-hmm. they went through a check and it just, you know, how do you um, spend advantage, um, threat, despair, triumphs in interesting and new ways? And I'll have a, um, I'll have a link in the show notes for where you can find this, but it's by like Fiddleback um, had done this years ago. And there's probably a dozen of them or no, actually a couple dozen of them. And I highly recommend any GMs, actually any players out there too. Oh yeah. They're a great resource. Great resource for that. So sure. And I I figured that, that fed, that fed, fed in well with our uh, uncoupling of skills too. Yeah. Yeah. So we basically have taught some old skills, new tricks. I think so. All right. So would you like to go set the tone? Let's go set the tone, man. So, hey, here we are, setting the tone. Yeah, guess what? We're not working on anything. (laughs) No, I have uh, finished my Middle Earth uh, stuff. The adversaries, uh, basically I made the decision that the work that was done by previous people and the ability to just reskin things on the fly from Terranoth or from other works of other players, mm-hmm. there's no reason for me to go out there and create uh, my own adversaries for that setting. There isn't. You really just need a character creation document, and as a GM, you just run it. Yeah. So. You've got your character creation document, which I will eventually be putting out. Um, mm-hmm. And 
that's pretty much it for me. From mm-hmm. here on out, I'm going to be exclusively working on our primordial machina setting. Cool. Very nice. Yeah, and for me, um, I was taking a break from um, Primeval Thule to work on the Fantasy Grounds. Um, I'm taking a break from the last couple of weeks. I've just been pretty busy. My wife has been home and whatever. Um, and and then I think for the next month, going to be working on our um, adventure my part of the adventure that I'm running, at least for Middle Earth, and working on the prime, primordial machina. Yeah, so that's pretty much what, from I think, setting the tone may go away as a segment until we have specific primordial machina stuff to share with you folks. I think so. Yeah, so probably maybe the next couple we might cut that out. Yeah. Until after the con, I think. Mayhaps. Mayhaps. All right. So, on to our favorite segment then, dude. Oh, I am chomping at the bit for this one, buddy. Oh, I know you are. (laughs) Okay. All right, everybody. Your favorite uh, part of the show in hours. Advantageous threats. Yay! (laughs) All right. I want to go first, only because yours is cooler than mine, and I want you to hear the ghost say, well, it's cooler in a different way, maybe. All right. Let's do yours. Okay, we'll do mine. Okay, so. I, so sitting in a coffee shop somewhere in the Chacana district of New Angeles in the Android system, Mm-hmm. Setting, sorry. I have a computer hacker named Rex Binary. <laughs> Dude, yeah, great name, I, buddy. I, thank you. you I stepped been, up. I did. I stepped <laughs> up my game a little. And he needs to actually create a set of fake IDs or access badges for a group of quote unquote investors of the Larcenous Arts <laughs> and who they're interested in the Genteki um, Corporation. It's a Japanese corporation. Corporation in the Android setting that is specific. Their specific thing is clones, creating clones and what. So this, these investors, quote unquote, <laughs> need access into this facility, and he is actually going to create some fake IDs. So he's going to be using computers mm-hmm. to forge some access badges for this group of people. Very nice. So I figured this was appropriate considering. Our topic today, um, sure. So Rex is a pretty intelligent guy. He's mm-hmm. got a four intellect. He has a three in computers that he has a knack for. <laughs> you like that? He's got sure. a knack for it in computers, and he has invested quite a lot of cash into his hacking gear. So I'm thinking that'll be his the right tool for the job. His hacking equipment, um, give him like a boost die, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he is honing a distinctive style. Which, it's a tier 3 talent that generates two auto-successes and two automatic threats. So, he's going to need to hack into this corporate server, the Genteki corporate server, um, to put these people in the list of and give them access and then generate these access cards. So, I looked up the difficulty for a corporate server is a hard difficulty. That's pretty much what I have, and we can go from there to build up this pool. Oh, man, I need to get on my dice. Well, first of all, Rex Binary doesn't sound like a guy who speaks Japanese intuitively. 
So I'm going to put in a couple of setback dice for the language barrier. Oh, that's cool. I like that. So he's calling him a gaijin? Thank you. <laughs> well, I mean... He's got that gaijin name, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would call that a gaijin name. Oh, yeah. All right, so... But I think with, yep. you said in your notes here you've got the knack for it. So you could probably okay. remove a couple of those. Well, yeah, because any good hacker would totally have a um, language program. Hello. <laughs> and that's what he's running. <laughs> so yeah, so okay. I'll take those two I'll take those two setback away with the knack for it. Nice. Talent. Oh, and I'll put a boost die in there for his gear. Um, but now I am in a coffee shop. Would that it automatically upgrade difficulty or just make it harder? I was going to say that uh, it would just make it harder because you are in a, a crowded space. Make it a daunting check. I was thinking more of the um, more of the uh, uplink. You know, oh, like, like, oh, on a, like a, he's yeah. on a public network. Gotcha. So, well, that sounds like a great reason as GM to upgrade your check by flipping a story point. Automatically or just do the story point nope. upgrade? Story point. That's a good Perfect. reason for a story point flip. You are right. You are correct. Um, and, you know, I am going to spend a story point as well because even though Rex Binary does have a really cool name, um, <laughs> he's really, I did say, he spent quite a lot of cash on his gear and this is a good job. He wants to do a really good job and get paid this time. Okay. Because <laughs> maybe his last couple times he's hasn't quite done the right job correctly, and they he had to do it pro bono. <laughs> okay. So are we good with this check? So what are we sitting at right now? I'm We're sitting, sitting at, at four yellow, a blue, a red, and three purple. I like it. You like it? Okay. Yep. And on top of this, I'm going to get two successes and two threats because okay. of his distinctive style. All right, here we go. Oh, hang on a minute. Do I do we need to add difficulty or add setback dice because I'm making multiple IDs? Oh, I didn't realize you were making multiple IDs. It's um, going to be for the crew. So maybe a crew of, you know, the crew of heist, the people that are going to be doing this heist. Uh, maybe one actually, or two Actually, once setbacks. you do... I don't know. I, uh, or would it be... An, or would that be an automatic upgrade? I'm thinking that's room for an automatic upgrade. That's what I'm thinking, too. Cool. All right. Here we go. Let's do this. Rolling on me. <laughs> I'm rolling on the Worlds of Android book, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, from my roll, the <laughs> you're going to like this. Okay. So, that cancels. I'm left with one, two, three, four, five, six successes. Mm-hmm. And those two threats that I'm auto-generating because everything else cancels out. My two purple dice are blank. So, I do succeed fairly quickly. Able to make okay. probably all of the IDs, I'm sure. But I generated a couple threat. Well, in working in a public setting... <laughs> yeah. You have now got the external attention of an outside hacker 
who may wish to extort you. And this is a perfect example in the Android setting of a way to increase someone's um, they're basically in their in their they're using the um, contacts or the um, what was it called? Favors? Um, the favors. Yeah, someone's gonna mm. blackmail you for a favor. Oh, um, I love it, dude. And so it would increase your uh, favors needed. Uh, basically, a small favor would be now owed by you to someone who's trying to blackmail you to prove that you did this. Oh, nice. I like that. Very so. cool, dude. Very cool. All right. All right. Now. <laughs> so I, I still had this burn in my butt from for what? a one... <laughs> From this one shotting of a dragon way back when, <laughs> yeah. and I, I'm gonna make I'm gonna make you'll understand when you hear it. But I'm gonna make an audible on my show notes here because I I, I really liked it fits better with the show uh, mm-hmm. concept. Cool. So, um, in this case, my players are entering the lair of Rythraxanaskar, the Doom of Ages, well, an say ancient. That, say that name one more time. Rythraxanaskar. Oh, I like the accent, too. (laughs) (laughs) The Doom of Ages, an ancient dragon of immense power that is hidden behind a twisted portal in the middle of a lake of fire. But Rythraxanaskar watches them through an artifact known as the Mirror of Eons. He He decides to use the Mirror's special ability to cast the Eons' curse upon a particularly boastful dwarf who is bragging about all the dragons he has killed. Oh, and there's this one called Rathraxanaskar that I'm going to go destroy soon. (laughs) Very nice. Okay, so the special ability, the Eon's Curse, is actually a specifically designed ability of of the artifact that requires a willpower plus runes. Now, runes is normally an intellect skill role, but in this case, it requires a willpower check because it's, you have to the dragon has to take a piece of his own being. Mm-hmm. So let me describe it. It is a willpower plus uh, runes versus a five difficulty upgraded once for each hero point that the character has. Okay. This curse allows the dragon to transfer a portion of his soul essence into any rune shard, and it will remain there even if the dragon is killed. Oh, alrighty then. <laughs> well... So I was thinking about this, how many hero points, and I'm assuming you're talking about Killzak. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm thinking he would have at least, he would have to have at least 150 experience points to get the level, the tier four lethal blows talent. Mm-hmm. So he's got three hero points. Okay, so of my five difficulty, mm-hmm. automatically three of those are upgraded. Yeah, I'm liking this. Okay, so mm-hmm. now I have, again, a looking at the stat block for an ancient dragon, which is on page 195 of the Terranoth book. Mm-hmm. There, fortunately for Rythrax and Asgar, his intellect and willpower are the same at five. And he has a four in runes, according to that. So we're looking at four yellow dice and a green die, and currently two purple and three red uh, for the difficulty side. Now, 
because he is using the right tools for the job, the the mirror of eons, he is Im- immediately going to get a set or a boost die for this. Yep. For this, now this mirror of eons is a, is an artifact I created, folks. It's not in the book anywhere. So if you go looking for it, don't. <laughs> it's kind of like it's an. It, you look at the magic items in there. Think artifact power. This thing seemed like it would. I don't know. I was inspired. Yes. So. Yes, you were. Um, <laughs> and uh, he's watching as the group is currently fighting minions of his. Uh-huh. Okay. So I would also give him a boost die. Now I would go to the player of target of choice mm-hmm. and go, so someone, and how to do this as a hidden check. So something is going on during the middle of this battle. You don't want the player to know. Right. You go, well, in the middle of this battle, I'm making a check for someone who's not in initiative. I'm going to go or go ahead and make the check. You are the target. Would you like to do anything to that target's role? The player could go, well, what kind of check it is it? Well, it's mental, but it affects a piece of your gear. Hmm. Okay. Um, well, I would think that um, I would probably want to maybe use a story point to make it more difficult for this person to communicate with me. Okay, so I'll upgrade yet another die. Yeah. All right. And All right. other than and that, I don't think, in this case, I don't think distance matters, so maybe mm-hmm. no setback dice. The clarity of battle, probably not. Um, mm-hmm. Now, whether I have, and I know you're probably going for putting his essence in that rune of severing, right? Because mm-hmm. that um, would I have the ability on? If I no, have you it don't. On, if I don't have it on, GM. does it make it harder? As the GM, because you wouldn't know about what I'm targeting specifically, I would have to think of that in advance, and I'd probably go, you know what, since you don't have it activated, I'm going to go ahead and throw in a setback die for that. And if I did have it activated, I'd probably give you a boost die. That would probably do you know what I mean? So, okay, let's see. (laughs) Let's see what Rithax and Axgar rolls. Yes. First of all, you will note that there are no despairs. (laughs) <laughs> so we're going to take out that and uh, that and that. Oh my gosh, I got a lot of stuff here. Okay, right, that was those were able. a lot of dice. Yeah, that was a lot of dice. Um, <laughs> those come out and okay, so. It all balances out to one die at the end. When I take everything out, I have one die remaining, and that die has a triumph on it. Oh. So it counts as a success and a triumph. Oh, that is so cool. All advantages <laughs> and threats are canceled, right? Everything all canceled oh out. I was picking God. up the dice and just canceling them as I went. And, and the all successes and failures, all the other ones on the other dice cancels out, and this success <laughs> is left over? One success with the triumph on the triumph die. <laughs> so well at the end of it all, <laughs> the dragon has taken a piece of his essence, and it is now transferred to that rune of severing and oh. triumph <laughs> so the triumph is now 
he is going to use, the dragon is going to use the next time the player activates the rune of severing as an opportunity to try and seize his mind. Oh, to continue. No. <laughs> oh, no. Are we going to have to retcon that check? No. <laughs> no. No. He, maybe he bit, bided his time. <laughs> maybe he wants true. to live eternally in a rune. <laughs> That's awesome. That is so, that is so cool. Dude. Uh, that's so cool. yeah, I don't know if we'll go visit that another time, but no. that was fun. <laughs> that was, <laughs> that's pretty good. That is pretty so good. that might explain why the uh, dragon was so keen on letting you get up there and attack him from behind. <laughs> um. <laughs> Sweet, that's cool, dude. That was a good one. I like that one. I, I just like wanted that. to, exp- uh, you know, to, the whole that you can create specific powers on magic items or mm-hmm. things that also uncouple uh, a skill from a, from its uh, uh, characteristic. Yep. And, you know, I liked the idea of you using the um, that signature weapon and the hero point, you know, the level of the hero point, setting the difficulty, that yeah, kind, kind of, of stuff. Yeah, kind of working as an adversary uh, to make yeah. it kind of opposed. You yeah, know, that was kind of... That's pretty cool. It kind of makes it. It kind of makes it feel like the old school D and D, like intelligent weapons with like egos and and such. Right. You know what I mean? And that's kind of what I'm going for here. Is that's that the cool. dragon? The dragon has already transferred an es- a part of his essence, and now every time you activate the rune, that dragon is there. Nice. Just knowing. <laughs> so that's cool, uh, dude. Yeah, and then of course the, uh, the because he used the special power on that artifact, it turns to dust, and it's not loot for the players anymore. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so they wouldn't be able to one shot another oh, another one of your dragons, right? <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, awesome. that was that's good. It for me for advantageous threats. Yep, awesome. Well done, sir. Well done. All right. All right let's go. Let's go. Put this puppy to bed. Yeah. And then and the show. <laughs> right. <And> you. <laughs> yeah, I know. All right. Alrighty, folks. That's our show for tonight. So much fun. So much fun. Um pardon me, everybody. But I'm uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm a little tired, I'm a little liquored up, and I want to give a shout out to those imaginary rambling folks. Um, Matt and Ben talking, they have this uh, Wild West Virginia, Wild West, <laughs> I guess it is, a Wild West Virginia pop culture podcast. <laughs> they talk everything from Star Wars to Waterworld, End of the World stuff, Cabin Fever. They just dropped their... Um, they're calling it Series 2, Episode 0, talking about the future of their show. Making the show a little shorter so they could put out more episodes more frequently. So that's pretty cool. Um, you could find them out on Podbean and, you know, G+. Yeah, they're part of the Nerds International community. Great job, guys. You listen to them? Very nice. You listen? To yeah, them? I do. I, I, don't, I don't listen to many podcasts. That's the thing. I don't have any time. But, I listen to a shite load. Nice. Oh, that's true. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, yeah, and then uh, 
so last time we had said we were going to be on the RPG Brewery that Tuesday. Then it got canceled. Well, guess what, folks? This Tuesday, uh, hopefully, we'll be live on the RPG Brewery to talk about Genesis, mm-hmm. what it can and cannot do. It could do everything, Which, Jamie. It could do everything. The The host of the show is wrong, as usual. But, you know, we got to go on there and spend, what, an hour explaining that to him? We'll try. We'll do our best. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyhow, mm-hmm. uh, we, yeah, we have that coming up. What else we got, buddy? Um, oh, dude. In 733 hours, 42 minutes, and 12 seconds, I will be landing in Cleveland where you'll be picking me up. And we're going to be heading to Con and a Cop on November 7th. And the con goes from November 8th to the 11th, uh, yep. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I'm meeting almost a couple dozen other nerds from the international community. Jamie, I think we have 17 or 18 right 17 now. 17 or 18 now? Sweet. Mm-hmm. That was so much fun. If anybody's going to it, come find us. We're going to be in the, um, we're going to be near the pool by the miniature golf. There'll be a big thing. Nerds International banner in the yeah, area. That's right. That's right. Uh, several of us will be wearing Nerds International t-shirts. Yep. So yeah, and playing games, having fun, drinking, and just you know hanging out with each other because we don't really meet each other. We met each other a year ago at this place in real life for the first time. We got people coming from Canada. I think we got uh, Harrison. He's coming, right? He's from yeah, London. couple he's guys from Britain from yeah. over the pond. They're coming over too. Um, and it was pretty cool because we've been, we had been gaming online with each other for what, a year, year and a half before we met each other. And we're like, brother, you know I mean? It was just <laughs> so cool. The community's yeah, awesome. The best Come friends we've never met. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. And we get to meet each other for the second time. Yay. Um, yeah. So, um, let's so looking forward to it, dude. So looking forward yeah. to that. Yep, so you can contact us like you've been doing, great yeah. awesome people. Thank you. You can contact us at findingthenarrativepodcast at gmail.com. You can talk to me on Finding the Narrative on Facebook. Mm-hmm. You can talk to both of us, Finding the Narrative on the Nerds International with the hyphen network on G+. Mm-hmm. And you can listen to us at all the fine places where you find podcasts like Podbean, mm-hmm. iTunes, YouTube, and Google Play. And where you're listening to us now. <laughs> Yeah. I'm guessing. So, yeah. Call me and kooky, but... <laughs> no, that's little, all right. I'm getting a little punchy now. <laughs> it's all good, dude. We're rolling on out of here. In here fact, this is Tony saying keep rolling them bones. And this is Chris saying, remember the rule of cool, everybody, and just have fun. Good night. Adios. Finding a Narrative podcast is not affiliated with or endorsed by any companies mentioned on the show. Any of the products mentioned on our show or appear on our website are the property and copyright of their respected owners. All items are used under fair use and educational and review purposes. All other items are the intellectual property of Finding a Narrative podcast. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved.